Good morning, everyone. This is a bit different for us this morning um, to be engaging with you over a podcast. Why a podcast? Well, I suppose really we're just trying to get you off your screens and break the routine um, of logging in and hopefully try and go for a walk. So if you want to pause just now, you can do so, get yourself organised, grab yourself a coffee, but we would ask you just to relax as you listen to some of the important messages um, and reflections that we have for you this morning. Just really some information to start off with. You should now have received a, an email from me regarding lateral flow testing. I sent this, uh, this will be last week now, but on Friday. Both staff um, and senior pupils will have received that email um, regarding the process around the lateral flow testing. Can you please make sure you have a good read at that letter? Um, complete the consent form if you wish to use really what is in essence an, an extra level of protection. It's absolutely not compulsory, but I would strongly advise um, for all staff to consent to that. Also, um, at the time of recording, we have had no further technical guidance uh, regarding the return of our senior pupils to complete practical activities for SQA purposes. Um, as soon as we have that information, of course, we will share that with you. But as usual, things um, are shifting um, and, and usually very last minute. So that just seems to be the nature of the, the world we live in just now. OK, the outline for today is fairly simple. You'll see from the programme, the first hour is a time for you to, I suppose, listen to some thoughts around excellence and equity and how we can get it right for all of our pupils in Falkirk High School. At 10.30, um, it would be great if you would join us for interval, for a bit of chat, um, and of course a game of who would play you in Falkirk High the movie. Uh, there has been much hilarity at SMT around this, and for the record, I would uh, just like to establish that I would like to be played by Damien Lewis, um, and there certainly will be trouble if anyone suggests Keith Lemon. Okay, so great if you could join us um, at 10.30 for that. There will also be time for you to work on your ERD plans. Claire will outline this um, in her presentation. Um, then there will be some faculty uh, working and optional CPD offered by the Connected Falkirk team. And details um, are on the programme for the day. This is a day of firsts for me. It's the first time I've certainly went live on a podcast like this. Um, first time... You can fall asleep at a presentation without me noticing. And uh, maybe more importantly for me, it's of course the first time that I've had a chance to address you as the head teacher, um, certainly a substantive head teacher of Falkirk High School. I, um, I've already spoken to many of you, but for those I've not spoken to, it's important for you to know um, that I'm absolutely delighted to be continuing in the role. Um, I do so uh, with... A, a real sense of uh, honour, uh, pride in the school and excitement, I suppose, as the realisation sinks in of the opportunity that I have been given uh, to continually lead such a fantastic school. Um, and that's what I believe it is, and, or, or we are a fantastic school. We have uh, an incredibly talented group of staff and I look forward to working with you all as we continue um, on this uh, journey to excellence together. I want to focus this morning on my continued vision for the school, which is grounded in excellence and equity. 
These two words, I suppose, really have been central within Scottish education policy for the past four or five years and, and of course, is a key aspiration of the Scottish Government. Within the school over this time, our main priority and improvement focus has been on the equity agenda, really trying where we can to mitigate circumstances which many pupils find themselves in by trying to provide additional support, um, the understanding and the conditions for them to succeed. For us as a school, this was a, a necessary priority. Um, there was a number of our young people who had very poor outcomes. Many had high levels of exclusion, poor attainment, uh, poor attendance, and did not secure positive destinations when they left school. And of course, this also impacted on our whole school ethos. Over this time, we placed a significant improvement focus on ensuring we created the conditions where all young people were able to succeed, with a key focus on changing our provision, our capacity, and our mindset. The provision I'm referring to here really is around the learning experience and the support that we can provide. You'll recall that work was undertaken developing our nurture provision, our inspiring learning space, and our curriculum offerings um, for our pupils. The capacity refers to the development of our staff of you by upskilling you, giving you opportunity to engage in CPD. Again, significant work took place in that area with uh, Suzanne Zedek around trauma-informed approaches and um, mental health, and, and these have been critical um, in, in their improvement journey. And the mindset, changing our mindset was possibly the most important change initiative that took place. And really here, my view would be that we, in many ways, changed our understanding of equity um, our understanding of trauma, um, adverse childhood experiences and, and our approaches to people behaviour. And that approach allowed um, many of you to try interventions through practitioner inquiry and really just trying to see the benefits of a, a different approach with our young people. These experiences um, in, in many ways have, I suppose, increased our collective understanding um, that really to secure sustained improvement that um, we, the adults, needed to change. The results of this work have been significant for us as a school. Attainment has improved across the board, but significantly for our most disadvantaged pupils. Our destination figures are the highest they've ever been sitting. Um, last year at 95% of our young people moving into positive destinations, and this year 93% in the initial SLDR. Just given the context, these figures um, are, are fantastic. Last year's figures were above the Falkirk national average, the regional national average, sorry, and um, the, the, the national levels, which is just for a school with 52% of its school role in the lowest three deprivation deciles, it's, it's simply outstanding. So there's been incredible um, improvement realised in the school. The improvements have been made because of, I believe, the coherence in our activities and the collective effort of our staff group. Moving forward then, the power of the collective will be important in driving improvement. Michael Fullen um, talks about the idea of using the group to change the group. Maybe just think about that for a second. Using the group to change the group. And really, my understanding of that is, is how, as a group of staff together, 
we can best identify and respond to the needs of individuals or groups of pupils. I wonder when you think and reflect about the past year or two, are you aware of any changes you have made in terms of your own provision, capacity and mindset? One area that springs to my mind would certainly be digital learning. 12 months ago, could you have seen yourself immersed in CPD linked to virtual learning? Using programmes like Mentimeter, Padlet, Nearpod. This is just one recent example, I suppose, of significant shifts um, in, in our provision and our capacity and our mindset. Um, maybe you can think of others within your own practice within the last um, couple of years. I previously highlighted um, Paul Dick's book um, titled When Adults Change, Everything Changes. It's an excellent book and again evidences that when we change our approach, whether it be our provision, our capacity or mindset, we can achieve what's defined as seismic shifts um, that can have a significant impact on our pupils, our classes and of course the wider school. As an aside, I've, I've made an offer before to provide staff with a copy of that book if they wish. That offer still stands um, and, of course, would, would form part of your own um, CPD and professional reading. So these three improvement approaches of provision, capacity and mindset have allowed us to create an equitable, solid framework for learning, allowing us to capitalise on this and now renew our focus, taking the lessons of change from that journey so far and move forward. You'll recall in, in August 2019, we launched our Excellence in Learning and Teaching Improvement Focus with staff, adopting a whole school vision again that would provide this coherent approach with a collective acknowledgement um, that we'll, the groundwork was in place, the framework was in place to support us to allow us now to focus on excellence in learning and teaching. The Falkirk High Story of Learning, that <clears throat> graphic that's been created, um, provides the context to allow us to again address our provision, capacity and mindset to improve on the quality of learning and teaching across the school, ensuring that we're getting it right for all of our young people. Um, further detail of that is of course on our professional learning website and I would encourage you um, to look at that. Our strategic plan um, that you'll see there is based on the key drivers of self-evaluation, professionalism and leadership of learning and all of these of course are directly linked to learning and teaching with the aim of providing excellence in pupil experiences. Um, we are on a journey but COVID of course has come along and has presented a real diversion on that journey but I would suggest that our ability as a staff um, and as a community to adapt um, to to reframe in a sense and to change um, quite quickly as we've been used to has made things significantly easier for us. I'm not saying it's been easy but it's allowed us to um, adapt our provision and we continue, I believe, to make great progress with respect to our recovery plan for our young people. So moving forward, um, my vision, quite simply, is that all of our young people would attain to the highest level, they would achieve to the highest level, and ultimately they would move into high-quality, um, positive destinations after school. I think that needs to be based on three factors. Um, the first one links to our learning and teaching agenda, and that's the quality of learning experiences. Ensuring that we increase our capacity through our self-evaluation, that's a key focus for us. Continuing to use improvement science methodology 
professional learning um, and research to support your own individual work, faculty and whole school improvement. Focusing on experiences for pupils that provide engagement, opportunities for leadership and opportunities that really develop skills for life and work for our young people. The second key area um, I believe is relevant curricular offerings, um, I think specifically linked to the labour market. We need to develop pupil pathways um, that are linked to the labour market. Our intelligence in this area um, will be crucial. Um, could we attempt to understand the largest employment growth sectors within our own context in Falkirk so that we can adapt to provision and best prepare our pupils for employment opportunities and post-school destinations. So that will be a real focus in terms of our curricular offerings. And uh, the last of the, the three that I have I want to share with you just now is we must simply keep our eye on equity and this relentless focus on our five gaps, the five equity gaps that we have in the school. We previously had um, identified a five gap analysis and we have achieved success in many of these areas, but gaps still exist. And our continued focus on this, a renewed focus, will help us to continually um, focus on the attainment gap. We'll share with the, the five gaps, the new updated five gaps with you once that's fully completed. But our early analysis of this has highlighted some interesting findings that I'd like to share um, one of them with you just now, as that will be a focus for us. As it's been highlighted previously, the attainment of our middle 60% of learners has been a stubborn area um, in terms of attainment to try and shift for us. This is a large proportion, um, of course, of our, our school population. We have had a focus on this for the past few sessions, but really have been unable to improve this particular um, area in the, port, the performance area of five or more qualifications at National 4 or Level 4. Um, our performance for um, four awards at Level 4 is high, um, but getting that fifth qualification, that fifth Level 4 or National 4, has been a real problem for us. Um, we, we do lag behind our comparator schools in this area. But further analysis of, of the data recently has shown it's apparent that pupils in the middle 60% of learners, in terms of their ability, um, these young people, um, many of them in the same class, have very different outcomes. So when we segmented the data or simply broke the data down, um, it's consistent that pupils who live in SIMD quintile one, which is the bottom 20%, young people living in the lowest 20% by deprivation, achieve half the tariff points as pupils in SIMD5, which is the highest, or, or the least deprived areas, the highest 20%. What's important to really bear in mind is that these, these pupils are in the same classes according to their ability. So this is the middle 60% I'm talking about, but we're breaking it down into really where they come from. So young people who are even sitting next to each other in classes get different outcomes because of their postcode area where they come from. So I suppose a question I would ask is, should the bus that a young person steps off as they arrive at Falkirk High School be a factor that defines their life chances? Um, I'm sure the answer many of you would be answering to that. I would hope would be no, it shouldn't be. But the reality is that where they live their family circumstances um, unfortunately still has a disproportionate impact um, on their chances of success and 
this is a significant gap within Falkirk High School and it's one we need to address with a collective effort. We've raised the issue with faculty heads um, and uh, Katrina McKnight will be leading on this improvement focus for us. It will involve us in a number of interventions to support these pupils. Um, Andy Hargreaves, um, in, in a book around um, teacher, teacher capital, um, says that 80% of the best ideas come from teaching practitioners rather than research because they have the practical insights. Um, so 80% of the best ideas come from teachers because they're the ones that have the practical insights. So really your involvement and in ideas will be crucial as we plan to collectively raise aspirations, provide support, mentoring, and simply identify who these pupils are. Um, the, the lockdown situation will no doubt have had a further impact on this and I'm sure will have exacerbated the, the issue. So considering our provision, our capacity and our mindset, how can we collectively close this particular gap? Our school has clear evidence of sustained improvement in a number of areas and we, in many ways, don't um, or we are no longer in the shadow of other schools in the authority in terms of our attainment, our achievements and, and the public image of the school. In fact, in many areas, um, we're the focus of good practice, both locally and nationally. I received some unsolicited feedback recently from a, a senior officer from Falkirk Council who suggested that the school was on the verge of greatness. What an incredible way for our school and for you to be thought of on the verge of greatness. Truly evidence of the We Are FHS approach. I'm going to finish now with um, a quote. I used this when I first spoke to you um, a year ago on the, the subject of change. Um, it's from the, the book Coherence um, by Fullen. And it says this. When large numbers of people have a deeply understood sense of what needs to be done and see their part in achieving that purpose, coherence emerges and powerful things happen. Um, I hope you've seen a bit of a, a thread going through what I've said this morning of that coherence um, and the ability for coherence to, to make change and positive change. This has been my experience um, and will continue to be my belief that all within Falkirk High School, all within the Falkirk High School community, need to be given the opportunity to play their part, um, which will increase our capacity as we continue to focus and journey towards excellence and equity. Thank you. Hi folks, hope you're all doing well. I'm just going to give you a quick update regarding some of the SQA um, situation. So as it stands at the moment, all of the subject-specific revised guidance has been released and it's on the website. So please look at the SQA website and see if there's any further changes to your subjects or further considerations for you. They've also released a whole host of new webinars. And basically the, the purpose of the webinar is to allow the marketing teams to talk to teachers about the standardisation process and about the assessment standards. So they'll let you know what the if there is any new expectations around uh, pupil knowledge, content and how that's going to be assessed. That plays a, a, a role in the quality assurance process because we need to ensure that 
Um, everybody who is making assessment judgment is aware of the changes. Thank you to all the faculty heads who have submitted the quality assurance calendars. I'm just collating them at the moment. The quality assurance process is going to be really, really important this year. And for for those of you who maybe don't know that it's going to happen not only at department level, but it'll be at school level, authority level and SQA level. So it's important that we are absolutely sure that the assessment judgments we're putting in place, we are happy with and that um, they are meeting the standard. So I would ask you to, to use your college as much as possible. Speaking to people is probably one of the best ways of being confident in your assessment judgments. If you think that something's borderline or you're not quite 100% sure, use your colleagues. Speak to colleagues in different schools, different authorities. Talk to them about their approach to assessment judgments. What the assessment tool are they using? And that can give you a, a real help in, in meeting that final assessment judgment. We need to make sure that we are being fair to the learners um, and that we're not disadvantaging young people due to COVID. Now, this is a huge challenge um, due to COVID and especially for those subjects who have been restricted due to the level four um, guidance, your, your practical subjects. But we need to, to really think about what, who we've got in front of us and how do we best get them what we need to get them. Okay, is there an alternative award that we can provide? Is there a different type of learning or assessment experience that will get us the same result, um, but it's just slightly different to what we'd usually do? There is a lot of great work happening across all the faculties who are looking at different alternatives to the traditional exams. Um, and that's really encouraging at the moment. What I would ask you to start to, to think about is we would be coming up to the time where young people would be potentially changing level. And it's so easy for us to fall into that kind of age-old trap of thinking, right, we'll just go to a National 4 rather than doing the National 5. But we challenge for you is to, to look and see, is there something at the level 5 that could potentially... And be just as valuable for young people. So instead of thinking going down the level, thinking about going across and staying at the same level. It's it's probably a good time to start thinking about these things as, as moving forward, it's going to be a huge challenge to try and support young people in the progression through the senior phase. We'll have people who have done um, some parts of National 5, potentially elements that will not have been assessed that will then come back into the higher that they'll have had no experience of. So the pathways through a senior phase are going to be hugely important. The interesting fact for you is that only 10% of the SQA catalogue is national qualifications. So your national three, four, five, higher advanced higher. And the rest is alternative qualifications and alternative assessment experiences. So it's very much um, me asking you to, to go and have a look at that catalogue and see, is there anything that you think you could provide for our young people that's slightly different. Um, it, you know, it gives them a, a, a good learning experience that uses their skills and it uses your skills. And it might not be in your subject specific area, but it might be that, you know, you have the experience and the skills to provide that kind of learning for our young people. So have a look at the SK website, have a look at the catalogue and start to think, what are the possibilities for me as a teacher and how could I use my skills to support young people in something that's maybe slightly different to what we would normally do? 
Any questions, let me know and enjoy the rest of your day. Today I'm going to discuss the learning that has occurred from a significant case review within Falkirk Council. Um, this fits closely with our excellence and equity agenda because it's about ensuring that our practice as professionals is excellent when it comes to ensuring the well-being of pupils and the safeguarding of vulnerable pupils. So firstly, what is a significant case review? Well, this is when the Child uh, Protection Committee begins making inquiries through an initial case review and that they feel that they've got grounds to escalate it to a significant case review. So the criteria for that is when a child has not died but has sustained significant harm and in addition to this incident or an accumulation of incidents gives rise to the, the practice of a professionals or services involved. So in essence, it's about reviewing the practice of all services and learning from it and making the improvements and changes that are needed to safeguard children. In the case that we're going to look at today, it centres around child D, who was admitted to hospital with significant and life-threatening injuries that had been inflicted by their mother's partner, who was subsequently convicted of attempted murder. Services were unaware that child D's mother had a new partner and that, in fact, they were living in the family home. Services had been involved with this, with this family for several years previously. And there was a period of registration on the Child Protection Register, and that was due to levels of care and neglect. But at the time of this incident, the child was not on the CP register. There were issues for the children in terms of the children in the family around their developmental delay, their presentations to hospital and their mother's mental health, her mild learning difficulties and her unwillingness to engage in services. So from this review, there have been five findings that have come out and I'm going to discuss four of them with you today. So the first is about um, education's expectations for assessment and chronology. So this is assessment in terms of young people's well-being. So for us at staff, this centres around us being confident in our ability to act on information that may suggest that a young person is not safe or is at risk of being neglected or abused. All staff have a significant role to play in this. We are the eyes and ears for the young person, for the young people in our care. Remember, we things cannot add up to bigger things. So it is important that you use the systems that we have in place to report any concerns, any concerns that you might have or anything that you think is not right, report it. And if you're in doubt about anything, speak to myself as a CP coordinator. So finding two centred around the service demands that have resulted in raised thresholds. So this, the thresholds, when we're talking about thresholds, we're talking about when different services might deem that there needs to be further intervention or at what level do we pass something on. So unfortunately, in essence, this is true. And it's a lot to do with the increased work and staff shortages in services like social work. Also, poverty and high level of local need has put a pressure on all services and I'm sure we can all relate to this within Falkirk High School. However, here at Falkirk High School, our increase in capacity has allowed us to work more effectively in these difficult circumstances. The staff that we have available to us within the hub provides us with an opportunity to provide far more creative, flexible and meaningful support to our families that may not have been possible before. 
We're also able to get in there a little bit quicker and able to work in a way for early intervention. That being said, this should never stop us from reporting any concerns that we may have. And we need to remember, it's not just about abuse and neglect that you know would quite clearly fall under the child protection, but importantly, it's about the well-being of our children. Here at Falkirk High School, we do operate on a system with the heads of house where um, if a head of house has re received three or more kind of small concerns from staff, then we will trigger a wellbeing referral to social work. So what that means is we potentially pick up the phone, we'll speak to other services and say, look, this is what's going on with this kid just now. You know, our, st our, our staff has, have picked up on that. Have you got any other information or what, you know, what are you finding from that? And it might be by joining all those bits together, we then really do feel, you know, that there is a need to, to move things on further. Finding three centred around our, as staff, do we have the, the knowledge required to, uh, to assess the impact that mental health and learning disability of parents have on young people? So as a, a, a school staff, we've had been part of lots of CPD opportunities and professional learning events that's allowed us to really develop an understanding of about how poor mental, um, poor mental health can have an impact on our young people and their ability to attend school, their ability to engage in their, their learning and to attain, you know, to their full potential. We've also embraced on a journey as a whole school under the ACES framework that made us consider, you know, how the, the, the mental health of a parent can have an adverse impact on young people. What was shown from this significant case review is that we need to clearly take into consideration when assessing the needs of a young person, can their parent meet these needs? Do they have the ability to meet the needs of their young people? So, for example, social work use an assessment tool for this area that allows them to, to judge that quite clearly. And part of the findings is that education staff are going to be involved in training for similar assessments. But in terms of our interaction with our parents on a more regular basis, we need to think about how we can do that and how we consider that. We also need to make sure that we're not making assumptions of when something arises in school that we think, oh no, that can be expected because of that family, or um, that's happened to them before, it's okay, they're used to that, or the same happened to their brother, um, you know, and, and, and it's okay. You know, having knowledge of a family's background can be a great benefit to us but we need to make sure that that does not cloud our judgment or does not stop us or put us in a position where we don't act in what's best for that child at that time. Finding four centred around um, was actually really positive and it spoke about how services within Falkirk worked really effectively and skillfully together when it recognised that there was clear child protection concerns um, and they made sure that the right things were put in the right at the right at the right time. Okay, um, in terms of child protection procedures, I understand that you know, your role within school uh, means that your involvement in this process will vary drastically. But for all of us, it's the role of education, and we have to acknowledge this: is that it's about what we do is about providing young people with a safe, nurturing environment. We are where where we are continually monitoring the well-being and passing on concerns of good time. So it's not just at that child protection level. It's about that continually monitoring the well-being and passing things on so we can make a difference for that young person. 
So as I say, that that's that's the findings and that's the things that as education we need to make sure that you know that, that we are they're following and doing our very best to achieve. Okay, so from that I've got three critical questions for you. The first one centres around mindset. And that was, you know, John, bringing you back to throughout the significant case review, it was made clear that the role of education is about keeping children safe and providing them with a safe and nurturing environment where we continually monitor pupils' well-being. Do you believe that this represents your mindset and your approach with the pupils in your care? And if not, what are we going to do as a school to ensure that that is our mindset. Okay, my second question is about capacity. So in terms of our capacity in light of the significant case review, as a group of professionals within Falkner High School, do we all operate to the same thresholds? And if so, what elements of school life do we take into consideration when monitoring the well-being of young people? Are we confident everyone within the school is able to follow child protection procedures correctly and if not how do we get over that my third question is around the provision and i want to take you back to the information that i shared in finding three that was in relation to parental needs and how their mental health or their ability may impact on their young people so when we interact and we communicate with parents do we take into consideration parents needs and what do we do as individuals to make sure that this could be better and more effective? Hi everyone, I hope you're all good. I'm here to do my little podcast section for you um, and you'll be absolutely delighted to hear that it's on um, CPD and our ERD process and how that is changing um, which I'm sure you can sick and feel the eyes rolling at me just now and people being like oh not this sounds horrendous um, but you know we'll try and make this as light as possible and it is really important I suppose in that we have to think about how everything all ties up, particularly when this process is changing and, you know, as a school we're looking at how do we go forward and, you know, what are the best things for our learners and are we getting it right for the kids that we have in our school. So it is quite good to be reflective. And before you start, before we start in this sort of, like this podcast um, section, I'd like you to have a think and just a wee bit of pause time as to how do you currently critically reflect on your assumptions, beliefs and values within education. Like, who are you as a teacher? What's influenced you and what sustains you? I just want you to have a wee think about that, just for a wee 30 seconds. So how do you, how do you currently critically reflect on your assumptions, beliefs and values within education? Now, there's probably quite a lot of things that you've come up with, or maybe you're sitting there thinking, actually, do you know what? I don't really do that that much. Now, you know, we all know that our job is very, very busy. Um, there are times when, you know, we don't realise that the month has just gone by. We look back and we think, where was January to March? It doesn't exist for me. Um, and that makes it hard, you know, but it is really important that we do critically reflect on who we are as teachers and what our priorities are 
in terms of planning out what we are wanting to do and what is our how, what is our professional learning and development? You know, are we doing things for the sake of ticking a box? Is that how we operate? That, you know, I've got to have 35 hours of CPD. Oh, look, there's some there that's come up with CPD manager. Moving and handling, I'll just do that. Even though the chances are we're not moving and handling very much. Well, apart from obviously our current layer in spray bottles. Um, but, you know, these are all the things we have to consider. And I think that when you look at um, the journey you come through as a teacher and you start off, you know, you come out of university, you are looking at these, you, you basically you reflect and you critically evaluate yourself against what is initial standards for education and are these GTCA standards. So you use that and then you're probationer and you're constantly using these standards all the time. But then once you're at your probation year, in all honesty, do we use them, those standards, the GTCA standards? Do we use it to inform how well we're doing or where we want to go? Now, from my own personal view and my experience, I probably didn't look at them very much and then I had, I was a patient or mentor, so then you look at them a little bit more. And then sort of like the, um, the like post-grad that I'd done, we had to reflect ourselves against that. And that was probably the first time that I actually critically reflected since my probation year on how well I was doing towards those standards. Now, the standards are changing. There was new ones launched in January and they're going to be fully implemented um, in August. Now, along with that, our process of our ERD is changing as well. And I think you will agree with me on this, it is changing for the better. Um, our ERD process, um, for those of you who haven't been through an ERD process, um, runs every 18 months. So it basically means that one time you can have an ERD conversation. So your ERD is your employee review and development conversation. Um, and it's focused on you know, the things that you need to do or you've, things that you've done really, really well, you know, the impacts of that, and then going on to sort of what your future aspirations are, your development needs. Now, that sometimes can happen in June, or it can happen in December, depending on where you are in that 18-month 18 18 cycle. Now, we all know that in education, we don't really work in an 18-month cycle, do we? If we work from August until June. I mean, June, that last day of term in June is our new year, our new year isn't the 31st of December, it is that end of June, and then the first start of our year is in August. So it makes sense that something was to filter or to go around that. Which, to be honest, Fulbright Council has delivered for us, um, and is actually going to be that. So basically the ERD process has changed. And all staff now, in the month of June, will, will be preparing a plan. Um, and that will be enacted from the August and you will work from the August until basically like the May time, um, doing all your impacts. So whether that is working in collaboration with people in your department, whether that is working outside, outside the school, looking at other things that are going on and bringing that back in, or whether it is CPD, you basically try and work towards your three development areas. Now, Falkirk Council actually brought this in um, at the start of the year and about, well, September 2020, they brought in um, this change of ERD process. Now, we obviously know that we came straight back into the crazy times of COVID um, and education. So we actually haven't started this process along with many other schools. However, it is a requirement that we do this for um, this session. 
So I have put on a guide. Now, there is a guide available through CPD Manager. If you wish to read it, go for it. Um, I have condensed it down for you as much as I possibly can. I have tried to do this um, as basically make it as simple as possible. Um, I have had a few people try it out who have managed to complete it in about 24 minutes. So it shouldn't be too much of an onerous task for you to do. But basically, there's three stages to this new process. So the first one is creating a plan. So this is what you're going to be doing today on this in-service day. And there's an hour allocated to you for doing this. And all your plan is, is to basically put in three development areas. Now, you're backdating this to August 2020. So you can put your mind back and you can say, okay, what are my development points August 2020? If you'd just done an ERD, that's not, the development points that you use can just be yours for that. The difference with this plan compared to like the previous ones are that this plan asks you to link your development points to the GTCS standards. So when we're talking about, you know, do we use the standards? Maybe not, no, but we're going to start using them. So we need to really be having a look at those standards at the same time. Now it's easy, it's drop down boxes, so it makes it really, really simple for you. Um, and it also asks you to link it into Hagios 4. Now it gives you some ideas of things. So say for example, you wanted to improve literacy um, within your class and then you might go do this in, in collaboration with other colleagues. So it'll give you examples of ways in which you can go about it. Or it could be that you attend CPD and you can put down more than one thing for it. So it's quite an easy to follow guide. Now what I would say is that you always need your CPD manager and login, if you can remember that. And um, you will need to check your details just against the GTCS. So it's always quite handy to have that with you as well. Now if you totally forgot your GTCS stuff, don't worry too much about it just now. Just make sure that you do update that once you have completed your plan. So really that is your part one and that is all you're going to be doing today. From this point on, we are in a condensed version. So basically from today until um, round about the end of April, you want to be updating this with your impacts and that's all the things that you've done like to improve it. So for example, if mine was improving literacy techniques within my classroom, I could have attended already attended CPD. I could have been working with colleagues in English, for example, to help that out. In fact, we have I have done that this year. Um, so I could have that as part of my impacts and I'll just update my record and my CPD manager. And you've really got from just now until April, the end of April to do that. Now, realistically, what the council have said is that um, your ERD would take place in June. Now, for us within a secondary school, like as a, you know, as a faculty head, you might have 12 members of staff that you've got to do an ERD for. And if they're an hour at a time, that's a lot of your time in June being taken up for that. So the faculty heads might wish to start this. Um, in May time rather than waiting until June for it. But that's obviously your discussion and they can have a bit further conversation with you. If you already feel like you've done quite a lot within it, you're just ticked off, ready to go. Then you could have your ERD conversation a little bit earlier on. So that is really what this my section of this podcast is about. I know it might not be the most exciting thing to think about. It's all oh, great, I've got to go in and do an ERD, this plan and all that. I get that. But there is a lot of value in being critically um, reflective of what we do within a classroom. It does really, sometimes it's hard, I understand that, like I get that, it's, it's hard to look at yourself and to think, right, what am I doing really, what do I, what do I need to improve on? But we know if we actually do that, then the difference it can make for our kids and for our teaching and for where we go as a school. And I ultimately, honestly, like believe that within a school, we have outstanding staff 
who really do deliver excellence and you've really shown that see over the last sort of six weeks when we've been doing all this online learning it's been amazing see to see like the reaction from the kids as well and I, I totally understand it's been so hard it's not what the job it was signed up for you know you're used to being in a classroom with kids and we develop relationships that is what we do um, and it has been different it's been really difficult but Honestly, you should be so, so proud of yourself. And if you're to think back to where you were last year and really critically reflect, and potentially you know, a huge number of us would say that digital learning is something that we really need to improve on. But, you know, I think we're right up there with that now. Um, so that might not be one of your development points. Um, but I hope you all have a lovely day um, today. Um, we'll try to keep you away from the screen as much as we possibly can. Um, I hope I've not made any of you fall asleep doze off a little bit so you need to skip back and find out what's happening um, but anyway enjoy the rest of your day i hope you had a lovely weekend and i'm looking forward to seeing you all hopefully soon